Hey, Brady, how you doing? Hello. Good to see you again. Oh, good to see you. How things? This is Blake Crystal, USAID's first ever representative here in Australia. USAID is America's aid agency. After hearing what experts from the region think, I wanted to speak to Blake to get an idea of how USAID approaches democracy promotion. It's not about, you know, pointing our fingers and saying, hey, we're better than you and this is wrong and you guys need to fix it, right? It's about creating space where the citizens of that country won't tolerate those things. And the only way that works is if you have a system of governance that allows, you know, people to vote out their leadership. From the Development Intelligence Lab, I'm Bridie Rice and this is The Readout. In this series, we're taking you behind the scenes of our latest project on democracy. I'm asking different experts across government, academia and practice one question. What will Biden's summit mean for the Indo-Pacific? This is Episode 5, A United States Perspective. I first met Blake back in September when he just arrived in Australia. It's big that the US has created this new position here in Canberra. So that's where I wanted to start. Australia is probably not the first place you would come in mind for a posting for a, a USAID Foreign Service officer. But, but I think the creation of the position here, and it is a new position, it's in recognition of the importance of our partnership with Australia. The alliance of like-minded allies, if I can call it that, it's about improving alignment with Australia and the U.S. government in terms of what we do. So it's more at a policy level uh, as opposed to programmatic level. And that makes sense because USAID isn't working as a donor here in Australia, but they are increasing their focus on the Indo-Pacific. So from the USAID perspective, We've had activities in the Indo-Pacific for as long as we've been around. And obviously at the top, we look at what drives American foreign policy. And it's what's in the U.S. interest in terms of security, what's in the U.S. interest in terms of prosperity, right? And and that has to be at the top of everything we do. But then the lens that that I think we uh, apply as development professionals, we look at where the challenges are and where the problems are. Where can we add value? The Biden administration has made it clear some of the changes that they're putting in place. You know, there is kind of a refocus on on the Indo-Pacific. And and I have to say this, part of it is, you know, what drives what drives our foreign policy. And and one one of the kind of top line objectives right now is the terminology we use is countering authoritarian influences. Right. If you look at the Indo-Pacific, that's an that's an area of, of great importance. But looking at the countries, looking at their economies, looking at the different influences in the region and, and how things are going to play out, say, over the next five to 10 years and then longer term, this is, this is a very important time for us as the U.S. government to be active. Blake explained to me that USAID isn't looking to go it alone on development in the Indo-Pacific. The partnership model of like-minded countries that was such a focus at the summit is something USAID is looking to capitalise on in our neck of the woods, in development terms. One of the reasoning behind me being here is that we have to really, really work closely with our allies to, to, to maximise impact. So we have to look at, okay, so you know, what is Australia doing? You know, look at other countries like Japan and New Zealand. What, what are they doing? And then you know, what, what are we doing? How do we work together? How do we cooperate? If, if there is a value that we can add 
in one in one segment and we look at what our allies are doing to ensure that, ensure that we can actually you know move the needle a little bit. So how do donors move the needle on democracies in the places they work? Through this project, I've been hearing about how the US and Australia's approach to democracy promotion is very different. So I wanted to go back to basics and ask Blake, what does USAID do in this space? You know, when you have a, a two-minute conversation with someone about our work in democracy and government, say, oh yeah, you know, you guys run elections, right? And, and it's like, okay, so if you have the time, let's talk about what it is. So the work that we do in elections and political process. That's a very important part of our broader democracy and governance portfolio. But it's certainly not the only thing we do. And, and, and there's a lot more to it. There are other critical components like human rights. Blake had just nailed the perception I'd heard from a lot of Australian analysts about the US being only focused on supporting elections. He went on to talk me through what else USAID does. When we talk about democracy and governance, it's something we try to integrate into all of our all of our programming. And like I said, we focus on strengthening human rights, access to justice, accountable and transparent governance. And we do in elections and political process, strengthening civil society and their role in a democratic society. And then independent media. That's another big area that if you think about what you need in a democratic society, obviously free and fair elections are part of it. Thematic areas where USAID works under the broader umbrella of democracy and governance. So we have programs in all those sectors. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, you know, top level what USAID does in the area of democracy and governance. Blake shared a story about a project he worked on years ago that shows the basics of how supporting civic participation can drive good governance. This is more on a personal level and and from my, my experience, the first USAID program that I worked on was, it was a democracy and governance program. And it was a civic education program. And and in that program, a country who had recently come out of kind of an authoritarian regime, we were working in, in schools and we were working with primary grade students and secondary students and, and training teachers to, to help students learn about civic education, which is what does it mean to be a participating member in a democratic society? So a lot of big words, but but what it came down to for me is we talked to students about what is it in your community that you'd like to see changed? And you can probably imagine what the different responses were. You know, it's like, well, I really like to play basketball and there's no lights on the court or the road in front of my house is falling apart or the sidewalk is a mess or the windows in my school are broken. I mean, you know, things that, that people at a very community level think about. And and so then we said, OK, in this structure that you're in, the way your government is set up, what can you do to change that? And if you want to get that basketball court lit, if you want to get that sidewalk fixed, if you want to get those windows replaced, what can you do? So how do you how do, how do you interact with the local government structure, right? You know, if they can, how do you interact with the national government? So we help the students put together packages and then help them advocate within their structures, whether it's at the local government level or, you know, the ward level or the provincial level to see if they could, they could get those things fixed. And, you know, I mean, a lot of those things because of the program did get fixed, but, but I, I look back 20 years and I think about it, you know, it was great to be able to put lights on the basketball court so the kids had a safe place to play, but it was really about teaching them how to get the government to respond to what are what the things that are important to them and on that on that kind of community level and knowing today that a lot of those children we work with because we, we we had a national program 
you know, one of the students went on to be, you know, prime minister at one point, we had people in parliament, they, they became active members in a democratic society. And they were able to, to, to impact and change the things that were important to them. This story reminded me exactly of what Serena described in an earlier episode, that the most effective way donors can operate is to support individuals and communities to ask more of their governments. It also reminded me of her point that democracy must be demanded by the people, not imposed by outsiders. And I think, you know, kind of at the heart of, you know, when we talk about democracy and we talk about that, that's what it's really about, right? I mean, some of for democracy is an amazing thing. We have world leaders together, there's commitments, and, I, and I'm really happy about it as a development professional. You know, at the end of the day, that needs to translate into a concrete impact where people can see that, that, that the government can respond to their needs and can take care of the things that are important to them, whether it's healthcare, education, getting a job, or, you know, fixing lights in the basketball court, that, that if we as the United States can't, you know, sh- show leadership on that, but also work with our partners to see that those things actually happen, then it, it, it becomes more difficult to counter the, the negative narrative that's out there. So one of my hopes that coming out of that is that we'll see more of those types of things, because I think that's when people are like, okay, yeah, you know, it's great, uh, high level meeting, a lot of people in suits, but what does that mean to me? That's what it means to me in, in, in the context of democracy, actually impacting people's lives. It was interesting to hear Blake speak extensively about the US support for democracy beyond elections and the value of supporting domestic democratic reformers first and foremost. Because it's fair to say that there's been some scepticism amongst other analysts we've spoken to about the gung-ho US approach to democracy. But in the lead-up to the summit, USAID Administrator Samantha Power was also making references to modernisation of the US approach to democracy. She was talking about helping democratic actors defend themselves against things like digital surveillance, censorship and repression. So I wanted to know what's on the horizon for USAID and how is this space changing? You know, having been in the development arena for a while. It, it is kind of new. When we look at programs from 10, 20 years ago, and then and then where we're at today, that, that information communication technology, you know, looking at cybercrime, looking at those things, that's that has become a more prominent part of what USA does now. Blake talked me through how digital infrastructure will hugely impact governance support efforts. We have some great examples of, you know, supporting digital infrastructure in the Indo-Pacific in partnership with Australia, you know, the East Micronesia Cable, I think the, the Palau Spur, examples of, of, of that. As Australian development professionals, we're no strangers to the geostrategic realities of the Indo-Pacific and the role of infrastructure. Blake explained that USAID is focused on making sure countries are making free and informed choices when they're facing complex development challenges. Now, my one, you know, one thing I can say about that, just from my own experience, that a a lot of those things are a result of how particular countries decide to go about or say building the, the infrastructure, whether it's the digital infrastructure, roads, highways, internet. Um, connections. And, and I think that what we're trying to do as USAID is make sure that countries are aware of the different choices that they have. So, you know, they're, they're the options that are available 
to build up your digital infrastructure. There are negatives if you, if you go down this path and that's probably not what you want to do. So, you know, that gets into back to what we started with, which I think is, which is, which is good governance. So it's, it's about transparency. It's about accountability. It's about how countries do procurement. We want open communication. We want people, the ability to have access to information. And, and those are the principles that the summit for democracy is built on. So under that framework, we will work in those areas, supporting those goals of transparency, openness, free flow of information, active civil society. That's all from Blake on this episode. Stay tuned for a bonus episode, which draws our quarterly inquiry on democracy together and answers your questions about what should be next for Australia on democracy promotion in the Indo-Pacific. The readout is brought to you by the Development Intelligence Lab. The show is produced by Madeline Flynn with production support from Connie Aegis, Isabel Coleman and Rachel Mason-Nunn. The music is by Viljami Meto and it's hosted by me, Bridie Rice. Special thanks in this episode to Blake Crystal. Make sure you head to devintelligencelab.com to read our essay publication, Develop, featuring many of the people you've met in this series. And subscribe to The Readout wherever you get your podcasts. And you can get in touch with us by heading over to devintelligencelab.com.